Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, everyone. Today, we are discussing a very, very serious topic. It's life or death. Bloodstream infections are one of the leading causes of people who have kidney disease not making it. I've certainly had my fair share of infections throughout my 53 years of living with this illness, and luckily, I'm here to tell the tale. So today, we're going to be speaking to Crystal Great. She's a nephrology nurse and is the Director of Infection Prevention at Fresenius Medical Care. So welcome to the show, Crystal. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's really important because we hear a lot about, you know, bloodstream infections, but just def- how, do you, how do you know that it's an infection? What are the signs? That's an excellent question. Um, So there are several signs and symptoms that often manifest when someone has an infection. And those signs and symptoms really can depend on the type of infection that the person has. So when we think about, let's say, bloodstream infections, for example, patients often experience a fever. They may have chills. We may even see that their blood pressure becomes lower. Um, Those are some of the common signs in bloodstream infections. In other types of infections, you may see different signs or symptoms. So, for example, if a patient has a vascular access infection, then you may see some redness or pain or tenderness or even some swelling at that actual access site. So those signs and symptoms vary a bit, but when we think about some of those things like fever and chills, those are pretty common across um, infections as far as a sign and symptom that you may see. You know, it's so weird because I am so paranoid about infections because if I scratch myself, I put Bactrim on it or Neosporin and cover it because, uh, you know, a little scratch can turn into a bad infection. There's those little staph aureus running around that's trying to get us. I mean, I think I think bugs are trying to take us over, actually. <laughs> Um, uh, but, uh, you know, one of the things that I experienced being a transplant patient is that I'm on immunosuppressant medication. So I've actually had an infection and not shown a fever. I just felt like tired and I was cold. And so now I know that, um, you know, sometimes you can have a little, little infection and, if you're not feeling right, you got to call your doctor, everyone. It's just not fun, but it's got to be done so you can nip it in the bud. You know, tell us a little bit. I brought up a little bit about a scratch and dental, but I, I think just some of the basic ways, these are breeding grounds for infections, right? Yes, they can be. Um, for an infection to occur, there has to be a way for that organism or for that germ to enter our bodies. And so anytime that there is a break in the skin or if you have a more serious wound, which we know sometimes um, can happen, especially um, in, let's say, a patient who has diabetes, um, they may have more serious wounds. And there could be the potential for an infection from any of those uh, breaks in the skins or any wound that you may have. It is extremely important, and I, I think you made a great point, Lori, about notifying your dialysis care team. 
Um, if you have a wound or if there's anything that is of concern to you, make sure that you're notifying your care team and then ensuring that you follow the directions from your health care provider. So I think that's an, an important point to, to raise. Um, and then you also brought up dental issues, which also can potentially lead to bloodstream infections as well. Um, good oral hygiene is extremely important to protect you for yourself from bacteria or from other germs that can make you sick. Um, a couple of good tips for everyone to follow really is making sure that you are brushing your teeth twice a day, that we're flossing, um, that we're taking proper care of dentures, um, and then also seeing a dentist regularly. Those are all important in ensuring that your um, oral health is good and to help prevent infection in those situations. Well, and, you know, one thing I wanted to just say about dental is that some of the rules have changed and some dentists will, yeah, you don't need antibiotics before you get your teeth clean. And I actually checked with my kidney doctor. He goes, you know, I'd like you to have those because when you have a foreign, um, like you have an access or a graft or, a, you know, a transplant, um, if you cleaning your teeth and you get some of that that, you know, infection and then it goes into your bloodstream, it could attach to something foreign. And so I'm still, I, I, I gladly take some antibiotics before I get my teeth clean because I don't want to. Um, so good discussion to have with your dentist and your kidney doc. Um, can you explain a little bit about the difference between infection, inflammation, and bloodstream infection? Inflammation can happen even in someone who may not have an infection. Um, so when our bodies are injured in some way or if they're is a potential infection, then our immune system starts to respond because it wants to heal that injury or it wants to be able to fight off whatever is causing that potential infection. And so that inflammatory response or when our immune system responds, it is when we start to see some of those signs that you may see like redness or even pain at, at the site of a potential injury or at the site of potential infection. So that's what we mean when, when we say inflammation and it kind of that immune response. Right. Now in infection can really happen in, you know, any part of our body It happens in different parts of, of the body and bloodstream infections occur when those germs or organisms actually enter the blood itself. And so these infections, of course, can cause more serious complications if they're not properly treated. Yep. I've been septic. It's not fun, people. Um, and uh, it can lead to serious problems. And that's the term you use, right? If a bloodstream infection gets in the blood and, and then it starts to wreak havoc, it can really it can kill you. Um, if it's not treated correctly. Um, and uh, uh, so let's talk a little bit about, um, I think we're going to focus the rest on people on dialysis because they are the biggest risk for bloodstream infection. So um, tell us how, you know, patients get infections through uh, kidney care, a dialysis. So there are, of course, different ways that our dialysis patients can develop bloodstream infections. Um, one, of course, is because we have to do hemodialysis on some of our patients, we have to gain access to the patient's vascular system, or as we call it, into their bloodstream. That's the only way we can perform that hemodialysis treatment. So each time that the bloodstream is accessed with maybe 
needles that are put into your fistula or your graft, or if we're connecting the dialysis lines to a central venous catheter that you may have inserted, um, there is a potential risk for infection if the appropriate steps are not followed. So, for example, some of the steps we have to make sure we're following for staff members as well as patients, making sure that we all have our hands washed before in beginning any of these procedures to access that catheter or that fistula or graft. We want to make sure that that graft or fistula is cleaned with, let's say, soap and water prior to treatment. We also want to make sure that the staff member is properly cleaning that access prior to putting those needles in or connecting those blood, blood lines. Um, so many of the bloodstream infections that happen in dialysis patients occur through the central venous catheter, um, which does have a higher rate of infection than, let's say, a fistula or a graft. Um, and while that's usually our, our, our main way to see bloodstream infections, I, I don't want to um, leave out any other potential sources because, as I mentioned earlier, wound infections, um, while it may be a wound, can... Uh, it can lead to bloodstream infections right. because that bacteria can spread. Um, and then once it spreads into the bloodstream, it can actually infect other parts of the body. Well, you know, I just read this really disturbing article on the Los Angeles Times yesterday, and it was about King Drew Hospital, which is downtown. Um, it's like a inner city community hospital. And you know what their number one surgery is? Uh, 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 amputation from necrotic feet and people not taking care of wounds on their feet. And when you're diabetic, you don't feel anything. And so it can enter, you get an infection, it can enter the bloodstream really quickly. And then, you know, you find out your only option is amputation. I mean, it's <laughs> it's horrific. I was reading this article and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that's the hospital's number one um, number one surgery, uh, which is really sad. I hope hope the community gets some help and understands what causes it. But I digress a little bit. But I, I think it's really important because um, there is a move um, by the whole community to get people off of catheters. And the reason being because the catheter is like got a line right to your heart. So let me let me see if I can explain this right because if you have a if you have an infection in your arm or your axis it's bad but if you have one in your catheter it's right in your heart so it has a higher rate of not being able to treat as as effectively or quickly is that is that a correct um in, in the sense would, Lori, you are spot on <laughs> you know you don't have a lot of room for error when you have a catheter in your neck and a little bug crawls down it <laughs> and so um but if your arm's a little inflamed or your access you may be able to you know treat it and not be so aggressive because if they find a catheter infection they're taking that catheter out right closing it up and you got another one in or something else going on so um, it's uh, it's really dangerous and you know it really is it's, it's so dangerous i mean i'm like i went one time i had to have a treatment at a hospital for some treatment for for transplant um like plasmapheresis and i actually had a catheter and they had to access it and the people there, the nurse there, which, you know, um, she was going to access my catheter without a mask. 
And I said, well, you're not touching me then. I mean, we went, we had an argument. I had to show her the CDC guidelines. She's like, we never use masks here because it was a different infusion. But they were using my dialysis catheter. I'm like, I don't care. If you use a pick line, maybe you don't need one. But with this, you're wearing a mask. <laughs> and we actually had a showdown. I couldn't believe it. And I just refused for them to touch me. Until somebody came in and, oh, and they said, oh, she's right. You need to wear a mask. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you really kidding me that I don't feel well and you have to make me fight? But I can tell you people listening that that's what you got to do sometimes because it's your life. And just refuse for people to touch you if they're not uh, practicing universal precautions. It's your body, your life. So, um, and I'm here to tell the tale because... Uh, I was actually in a cancer unit, and I'm like, well, this has got to be swarming with bugs. So with a, with a, a catheter, um, also, if you have an IJ or an interjugular catheter, um, you know, it's really not a good idea to shower, is it? <laughs> or take a bath. <laughs> right, Lori, and I think you raise a, a couple of great points there about making sure that you're keeping that site clean and dry. Um, and, you know, one thing that we do focus on quite frequently is, trying to limit the amount of time that patients have those catheters. So right. from day one that you are in a, a facility or have a catheter placed, we are working from that day forward to try to get that catheter out as quickly as possible and, and make sure that you have a functioning access, either hopefully a fistula, but a fistula or a graft, um, and try to limit the amount of time that catheter is there because obviously our focus is, is safety, right? We want to make right. sure that our patients are are safe and um, are are not as um, at a high risk for the infections that can potentially come from accessing that catheter each and every treatment. Well, and I, I think that, you know, I constantly hear from patients, and I, I totally get this, that they don't want the needles. They're so afraid of the needles. And, you know, I've been doing this for many years, and, you know, you never get used to them. I, I don't know who can get used to needles, but you... Um, there's also the option of PD, and you have a PD catheter. Um, maybe we could talk a little bit about that and how do you protect that so you don't get an infection there. But peritoneal dialysis requires no needles, and I actually, that was my fer preferred treatment option for uh, dialysis was PD. Right, and that's one thing we do want to make sure that all patients um, have the ability to discuss treatment options and home is a great option for many of our patients. And, and you're absolutely right, Lori, that the PD option, the peritoneal dialysis option, does not require needles. They're able to place a catheter into the patient's abdomen, and they are able to perform their treatments using that particular catheter. And, you know, really some of the same rules apply when we talk about, you know, making sure that your access site is clean, that we keep it dry, and that should you note anything that is abnormal, and it's anything that's abnormal for you as a patient, right? Not necessarily just um, what we normally think of, but anything that is abnormal for you that you report that over to your care team and to your healthcare provider. Well, and with peritoneal, I mean, and I'm just going to use my idea of how I think it works, but I did have peritonitis, and it was painful. <laughs> And it, it hurt. Uh, but luckily, I caught it soon enough where they could treat it 
before it became a, they, they found the cloudy fluid, treated it, and they were able to treat me, and it didn't go into my bloodstream. I mean, but if you wait too long with peritonitis or a catheter, it can go in your bloodstream very quickly. So you have to be aware if you have any pain or your bags look abnormal. And then also your exit site. Um, when I was on PD, it was great because I could shower and do everything. I just didn't take baths. <laughs> you just didn't want to take a bath when you were on PD. So, um, you know, you have to learn how to maneuver it because one of the one of the life luxuries is taking a shower. <laughs> and uh, I remember when I had a catheter and was on hemo, um, you know, I had one of those handheld showers and I wrapped myself up with... A saran wrap pretty much and uh you know so i wouldn't get it wet and then i would go get my hair washed at my hairdresser um you know these are things i had to do and you know if you have a catheter um, or have somebody wash your hair in the sink but um i found a lot of hairdressers will will wash your hair very very inexpensively so that's an option that you can look into because we all feel better when our hair's clean i don't know about you but life's a little better after you take a shower isn't it <laughs> Yes, it absolutely is, Lori. Well, I think what I'd like to talk a little bit now, because it's a very important subject, is antibiotics and antibiotic resistance. Because these little bugs are getting smarter and smarter. We're all living through COVID. We know how they mutate, and they're just like little geniuses that um, it's really a war. I mean, um, I saw this... uh, TED Talk called, um, and it's one of my favorite TED Talks, it was called How Bacteria Talk, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I encourage everybody to go Google that on TED, How Bacteria Talk, but it gave me an idea, um, and also there's viruses as well we got to be aware of, but bloodstream, we're, we're worrying more about um, bacteria getting into it. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, what's going on with antibiotics, so thanks, Lori. You mentioned uh, antibiotic resistance, which is extremely important. You hear that a lot today from probably your dialysis healthcare teams. Um, you're definitely from your uh, physicians. You you hear a lot about antibiotic resistance, and so for certain types of infections, as Lori mentioned, specifically bacteria, which are what we're oftentimes concerned about, um, they may prescribe those antibiotics to treat that particular infection. So your healthcare provider is going to choose the antibiotic that's going to be the most effective in, in treating whatever that organism or whatever that germ is that's causing the infection. And so one thing we want to make sure we focus on is, first of all, choosing the right antibiotic and then making sure that everyone completes that antibiotic as prescribed. So when we don't choose the right antibiotic, when we don't complete the antibiotics as prescribed, what can happen over time is that these organisms are very smart. They begin to become resistant to that treatment. They can change in order to survive, even Mm -hmm. with those um, antibiotics that we have available. And so when those bacteria begin to change in a way that reduces the effectiveness of those antibiotics, that's when resistance occurs. Now, this has been happening, and it's been a a growing cause for many years now, and we really are starting to learn more and more each year about organisms that are becoming more and more resistant to the antibiotics that we currently have available to treat them. So this is an extremely important um, topic and and extremely important for everyone to be aware of um, as you are, you know, 
being prescribed antibiotics and hopefully taking all of so that you uh, don't have infections uh, to begin with. Um, and then, of course, Lori also mentioned viruses. So, you know, depending upon the type of infection, it's also important to know that antibiotics may not be prescribed because it may not be the appropriate treatment for that infection type. So, if your infection is caused by a virus or maybe a fungus, for example, um, for viruses, you may be treated with an antiviral or for fungal infections, it may be an antifungal medication. So I think it's important to identify what the infection is and then allow that prescri- that provider to um, appropriately prescribe either antibiotics or some other type of treatment and then that we follow through on that treatment plan. Well, I think one of the good things, if I can say there's anything good about COVID, is that it has made people very aware of viruses and how they're different than bacteria. They just operate differently. And luckily, we have some antiviral meds because when I got my second transplant, I got something, you know, I got CMV from the kidney and I was just so sick. And they didn't have any antiviral. Now there are antivirals. And like you said, antifungal. Um, But the bacteria is... You know, I don't know. It seems to be faster than the other ones, I think. Um, uh, Whenever I have an infection, and I've had them from UTIs, I've gotten a blood infection from a UTI. So, ladies, make men, make sure you you recognize that you can get that when you have a transplant. But it's, um, you have to wait. They take blood cultures. And then you're sitting on pins and needles because they're giving you a broad-spectrum antibiotic, hoping they're going to catch it. And then once they get the um, results back, they can target it better. You know, the waiting game for those, you know, and and I'm not always very happy when they come in and draw like, you know, so many blood tubes. I'm like, wait, do I really have that much blood in me? But it's so important because that's what they need to do. They have to, they have to let it cook for a while and figure out what bug is actually in you so they can target it. And that leads to less, I believe, antibiotic resistance because you're targeting one, not dry always trying to give just a general antibiotic. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Lori. We do rely heavily on the um, reports from those cultures that come back and Mm -hmm. they let the provider know which antibiotics are going to be effective based on what was identified in that culture. Well, and then, you know, we're talking about bloodstream infections. We're getting ready to wrap up. Um, um, Any other follow-up thoughts about that? Uh, Because I think, you know, we just need to be really educated on on being aware <laughs> of our feeling and don't think it's going to go away because blood and bloodstream or infections don't go away on their own they just don't <laughs> i i'm proof of that i've i've researched it for years personally and they don't they need help <laughs> that's right lori and i think it's extremely important for everyone to notify your care team immediately. We are assessing you when you come into the clinics, but I mean, obviously, if something is happening outside of the clinic, you need to make them aware um, so that they can follow up with your healthcare provider and we can ensure that we are treating these infections as soon as they're identified. And early identification is extremely key in starting treatment early to prevent some of those potential complications. Um, And then, you know, one thing we always want to do is go back to those basics for, you know, how we can prevent infection. So these are the things that we can do each and every day, like ensuring, you know, that we're hand washing appropriately. I know right now we're 
you know, in the fall, winter of the year where we have more respiratory infections. And of course, over the last almost two years now, we've all been living in this pandemic with COVID and making sure that we are um, doing the appropriate respiratory hygiene. So, you know, wearing your mask or any other appropriate uh, uh, interventions that your physician feels you should as a uh, immune, potentially immunocompromised person out here with um, these respiratory illnesses. And then, of course, immunization is extremely important as well. So anytime that you can receive a vaccine um, against some of these potentially preventable diseases, it's extremely important that we, we keep our focus on some of those basic concepts of um, prevention for infection. You're you're so right. Um, you know, I just got my pneumonia mag vaccine. I'm getting my fourth COVID vaccine, <laughs> and uh, you know, I don't I don't want to get sick. And you know, I wanted to just you know maybe make a little PSA public service announcement here at the end before we wrap up. But it's from my own experience of my mom having health issues uh, towards the end of her life, and uh, she had a really bad infection. And she went to the emergency room and they started treating her. And I learned a little secret. Some antibiotics are hard on the kidneys. And um, when she was there, I, you know, I had one of my nephrologists. I'm like, can you come take a look at her and what should she take? And he did. And he prescribed different antibiotics that were not nephrotoxic. And so my PSA is if you are in ER and you have any in kidney issues. You ask if those antibiotics are nephrotoxic and if there's an alternative. Sometimes there's not and you got to take them. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's so important. And my mom's kidneys kicked back in and she lived the rest of her life and she was fine with that. Um, she didn't have any kidney issues. So that's my PSA. Because <laughs> I, I learned that kind of the hard way. I'm like, I didn't know that. But um, you know, some are more friendly to kidneys than others, and uh, the nephrologist knows that. So with that, thank you, Crystal, so much for sharing your knowledge and your dedication to the kidney community and trying to get these bugs in order and, and lay down. I mean, it's so important. It really is, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and, and share a little bit of our infection control and prevention uh, information this afternoon. And we'll, we'll put some links on our website so you can find some more information. Have a wonderful day, everybody, and stay bug-free. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.